And so what we're going to be doing is we're going to be sharing what our vision is as a church. Um, we're doing it in Albany and what we want to do is re, re-engage with the vision of the direction that God has for us as a church. And so it's very simple, but before I go into the actual vision, I just want to start with a few thoughts. And the first one is this, is that we need vision. We need direction in order to show us the way to head. When Jess and I were driving up Albany Highway this morning for five hours, we need a big fat front windscreen and a little rear vision mirror. And so we need vision in order to tell us the way to go. And I love what Proverbs chapter 29 verse 18 says. It says this. It says, where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. So the context of this scripture is that in the Old Testament, there will be a prophet or a person who will be a mouthpiece on behalf of God to the nation or the people of Israel. And, and the words of the prophet that God delivered through the prophet would, would um, be spoken to the nation of Israel, and this would invite Israel to live restrained, intentional, and focused lives according to the direction that God would give them. But when there's no prophetic words, when there's no vision, then the people just cast off restraint. They just did whatever they felt like. Oh, that looks good over here. We'll just, we'll just live life as it comes, and I'll just get blown around by the wind and by the fads and the phases and the fashions, and I'll just let my life be dictated to by whatever's going around me rather than being intentional with my life. But what God wants us to do is to actually live restrained lives. God doesn't want us to live unrestrained, frivolous lives, but focused and fruitful lives. He doesn't want us to waste our lives. And I know that none of us here want to waste our lives either. No one wakes up in the morning or when you go, when you're at school or high school or university, just thinking, I just really want to, I just really want to just flitter my life away into meaningless sort of things that don't add up to something of much significance. But no, God wants to invite us to live focused and fruitful lives. In fact, sometimes we need to not only restrain ourselves from bad things that kind of sap our strength and lead us into all kinds of ways that are actually going to work against us living great lives of purpose. But actually we need to live restrained and actually sometimes even not restrain ourselves from good things that can get in the way of the great things. Sometimes God wants us to restrain ourselves from all the good options out there so we can live focused and actually take hold of the great things that God has for us. And this is true for even Jesus. In John chapter 15 verse 2, this is what happened to Jesus. Nothing in him is bad, but this is what Jesus says. He says, God prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more fruit. And Jesus was talking about himself. He's talking about the branches in his life that are even good. Even those things in Jesus needed to have restraint. Some things needed to be cut off. Even the good things in Jesus' life, some of them needed to be cut off by the Father who's the gardener in order that even Jesus could live more fruitful life. And there's sometimes in our life, God actually takes the scissors or the secateurs and he can cut off some good things in our life because he has, because he has something great for us. Sometimes it's very painful. You're like, God, why are you taking that from my life? Are you here to rob me? Like Lord of the Rings. Um, I don't know if you, with Bill, Bill ba- Bilbo Baggins, say this mouthful. He wants that ring. But Gandalf is saying, no, 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 I don't want to rob you. I want life. I want something good from you. God doesn't want to rob us, but he wants life for us. 
And so God invites us to live restrained and focused lives so we can be fruitful. In, front of, in fact, it's one of the greatest challenges of leadership that I've found in starting a church is you've got to say no a lot. In order to say yes to the main thing, you've got to unfortunately say no to a whole lot of great ideas. I mean, whoever thought that they'd say no to feeding the homeless? Right now you're judging me. Don't judge me. But someone's, we should do this. We should do that. There's like, my goodness, there's phenomenal ideas. But actually if we say yes to a whole lot of things, we become ineffective in the one thing that God has called us to do. And let me tell you, there's some other great organizations that do a phenomenal job of doing that and we can back them up and support them and come alongside with what they're already doing. And so, so what is our vision? Where are we heading as a church? You know, the word church actually comes from the Greek word ecclesia. Or actually in the New Testament, the word ecclesia is actually what we can use as church. And what ecclesia is, is this. It's simply people like you and me, who are gathered together for purpose. Church is just people. People gathered together for purpose, for a shared purpose, a shared vision and direction where rather than all living in our own incremental vision and directions, actually we come in and we live restrained, focused lives so we can together do something above and beyond all we could ask or think according to God's power at work within us. As we work together, we can achieve so much more than on our own. And so... For us, we have a vision as a church, and it's very simple, and I'm going to talk about uh, the overall vision of our church, and then tonight I'm going to break down the first part of the vision, and then next week I'm going to break down the second part, and then the week after the third part of the vision, and then it's going to be Mother's Day, so everyone invite your mums, it's going to be amazing. Um, And so the first part of the vision is to know God. Our desire, the very reason we exist as a church is that every single person would have the opportunity to know God. We believe we've been created for a relationship with God, and this is our desire, that we would know God. And that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. The second part of the vision is that we will grow together. This talks about our discipleship. This talks about our, our spiritual, emotional, our physical, our, our growth. And we don't want to just grow in our relationship with God or, or, or grow in, in purpose alone, but we know that we've been called together not to live in isolation, but to come together, to strengthen one another, to encourage one another. And we believe that the secret source to our growth is not to do it alone in a classroom somewhere or in an island somewhere, but actually that we would do it together. Um, we can grow so much better together than we can on our own. And then the third part of our vision is that not only will we know God, that we will grow together, but that we will go with purpose. God has designed every single person in this room with unique gifts and talents, personalities, even your history, even your brokenness. God wants to work together. He's got a God-given destiny and purpose for every single person in this room as you both go into your world with purpose and you live out your purpose in your families, in your classrooms, in your workplaces and wherever you are. But also that collectively, like I said before, collectively together, we could go and make a huge impact and dent in this world together. We will live a purpose-filled life. And so what I want to do tonight is have a look at the first part of this vision and it is all about knowing God. There's nothing better than to know God. And so I'd like to begin just by praying and asking God to come and speak. I believe that not one person is here 
by accident. Maybe you're watching and, and listening online right now. I believe none of us are here by accident. But this is the love of God who draws us close to him. He invites us onto this adventure to, for us to know God, but also that we would help God be known to other people. So why don't you pray with me in this moment? Lord God, I thank you so much for every single person in this room, Lord God. Every single person maybe watching or listening online. And Lord God, we open up a heart to hear from heaven. Would you, Holy Spirit, motivate us? Would you motivate us to play a part in what you're doing on the face of the earth? Lord, would you convict us? Lord, would you motivate us? Would you speak to us, Lord? And we open up our heart to hear from you tonight. In Jesus' name. And we all said, Amen. Amen. Very good. Well, let me start with this thought, and it's this. Often your greatest pain, often the greatest point of pain in your life is often a pointer to your purpose in life. Oh man, you're a legend. Thank you so much. And uh, <laughs> it's a great improvement. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> Often our greatest point of pain in life is a pointer to our purpose in life. I don't know about you, but when, when, when you've been through painful times, often that can give an indication to actually how God's going to use you. And I just love it. How God has the last say. God has the last say. Where the enemy sought to defeat you, where you felt like maybe a victim in the past to your circumstance, things out of control, or maybe even your own bad choices. Often what God does is, and the glory goes to him, Romans 8.28, he works all things together for your good. All things together for the good of those that are loved by God, that love God and are called according to his purpose for them. And I just love that this is what God does, and this is what God has done, done in my life. He's taken some of the greatest points of pain in my life, and he's, he's had the last say, and he's actually used it to bring definition to point to God's purpose in my life. Your pain can often be the pathway for God's purpose in your life. God is moving in your life right now and believing for great things. And so what I wanted to do tonight is just briefly share a bit of my journey. Some of you here have heard... Um, this, a bit, a bit of a snapshot of my journey, about 75 times, um, but um, maybe half of you haven't, but I just want to share a little bit of it because it gives the why and the motivation behind everything you see. Behind everything in this place, it gives a taste tester as to the why behind the what. And so a little bit of my story is that I actually grew up in a, in a great, solid family. Mum and dad and my two young brothers and sister, and we used to fight, but used to love each other and... It was great. But then at the end of year 10 and beginning of year 11, dad told mum that he'd be leaving our family. And he does. And I love my dad. I honour my dad. We've got a good relationship now. But it's just the reality of what happened. And, and for me, I felt like the rug was pulled out from underneath my feet and I entered into this freefall, wondering where do I belong. For some reason for me, it had a deep and profound impact on my life. Around that same time, mum actually got breast cancer. So she was sick. She was broken heart, her body was breaking down, our family felt like it was just blown to pieces. I actually got depression, I went on to medication, I withdrew myself, although on the surface of things with my friends, I was, woo! Um, deep down in my heart, I was just broken. I was broken and hurting on the inside. And so what do you do? You try to fix the brokenness. I know what I should have done, but who cares about what you should do when you're in pain? You just like, make me feel better now. And so I started to engage and do all kinds of things that made me feel great for a moment. But at the end of the day, at the end of the night, 
I'd just be looking up at the ceiling with the same pain, the same brokenness, the same loneliness, the same question, wondering where do I belong? And although I was raised in a Christian home, I can tell you what, over the next few years, my understanding of God went from just head knowledge to heart knowledge as God began to reveal himself in my life to be my actual father, my dad, my father who would never leave me, my dad who was my security, he became my safe place, the one that I could run to, the one I could give my burdens to, he's my rock, he's my home. He's the one that cares for me. All my worth and my identity comes from him. In one moment where I'm asking people to give me my worth, asking girls to give me my worth, friends to give me my worth, other things, tell me and tell me how worthy I am. And dependent on how they treated me was what, what actually determined my level of joy or my level of fulfillment. If they gave me great worth, I was great. When they didn't, I was down here. But then when my worth started come, coming from God, an eternal source... An eternal, never-ending love for me, despite my brokenness, God loves me so much, then I have everything I need. I'm secure, I'm strong, and I've found my home and my place to belong. And, and even though since that time we've been through some hard times, you know, a few years later I sat on the bed to see my mum pass away in front of me. She went to be with Jesus in heaven. And around that time as well, Jess and I lost our first baby who we called Jedediah, just before he could come out of the womb, um, about two-thirds away through a pregnancy or halfway, we delivered our baby and, and he was dead. And for us, it was one of the, the hardest times that we've been through. And since then, I could tell you some other things that have happened, just like there's been some difficult times that, and things that have happened to every single person in this place. But I can tell you, God is so good. God is my father, and although he doesn't always click his fingers and helicopter us out of difficult situations, what he does is he promises to walk with us through it. He promises to strengthen us through it. He promises to give us the comfort of the Holy Spirit. He promises to give us hope for the future. And this is the kind of God that we love. And for me, I encountered the grace of God, the love of God. I didn't deserve it. And I just fell in love with God. I just love him. He, he, he's everything. He's everything to me. And so the very thing that motivates us in doing what we're doing now is that, man, we've tasted, we've tasted the menu and we just want to show others the menu now as well. You know when you go to a really good restaurant, you don't want to go on Google reviews or tell your mates about it. Oh, man, oh, that's so good. Just try it. Just try it. Be good. It's kind of weird to say try God, isn't it? But, um, but and we, we want to live our lives now and just point to God say, God is so good. He's worth God, he's worth graduating from just taste tester, like you do at Woolies, into buying the full packet. He, he's so worthy. He's so worth it. He's so good to us. And this is what motivates us to do what we do. And there's a verse from Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 that really sums up what God has done in my life and what he's done in your life. And maybe if you're yet to actually step through the doorway into the family of God, then maybe tonight at the end of the service can be your opportunity to take that step of faith yourself and your life will never be the same again. So Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4, it says this. It says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. I'll read it again. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. When you think about an orphan, 
When you think about an orphan, they, they don't have a place to belong. They don't have security. They don't have provision. They don't have a hope for a future. But when an orphan is, is adopted and brought into a family that loves it so much, that, that, whose love isn't, that isn't um, dependent on their behavior, but they love them often before they've ever met them, when you're adopted into a family, you are loved, you have a home, you have a place to belong to, you've got a hope, you've got provision, you've got hope for a future. And this is what happened to me, and this is what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. You know, so many, so many of us look for answers in all other places except for a relationship with God. You know, there's some of the big answers, big questions that we have in life is, what is my purpose? Now, what about this pain in my life? What about even this guilt and shame that I carry? What about my problems? I mean, we start running to all kinds of other places for answers. I mean, the first one's usually Google. You know, Google's pretty good. But sometimes we think, well, what I need is a good plan. I need a good plan. I need, I need to get my life sorted. If I have a good plan, then, it's, then I'm good. And, and we try to make a good plan. Or maybe it's, I'm going to go to and travel to a nice place. Another P word. Maybe... Maybe the answer for me is out there somewhere and I need to go to a nice exotic place and, and, and maybe the answers can be out there somewhere. Maybe I've got to go and, and do a nice program. Maybe I need more money. Maybe I need to build a secure and a safe life. Yeah, yeah, my aim, the answer is in me building a secure and safe life. That sounds good, doesn't it? I've got a good house and a car and I'm married and I've got the kids and I'm living a nice good... And, and once I get that, then I'm going to be good. Once I'm with a girl, once I'm with a guy, once I'm married, that's... But let me tell you, the answer is never found out there. The only answer that is lasting and eternal is this. Peace is not found in a place, but it's found in the person of Jesus. Peace isn't found out there, but it's found in here through a relationship with God. And this is what Paul discovered. Paul is the writer of the, probably the majority of the New Testament, a part of the Bible. Paul was like an elite Jew. And he hated Christians because Christians were all free, but then, but then he was all bound up and religious. But Paul was like an elite Jew. It says at the beginning of Philippians chapter 3, it says that Paul was a pure-blooded citizen of Israel. He was, like a, he was, a, he was a pure breed. He was a member of the elite tribe of Benjamin. He was a highly religious. He obeyed the law perfectly. He excelled in performing all his rituals correctly. He was zealous to persecute the church and kill these ridiculous Christians. He was like the Justin Bieber of, of Jews. He, he was the man. He had the popularity. He had the fame. He had like signing autographs as he's entering into the temple. He was like the man that everyone wanted to be like. He had everything. And yet, he, he, he says these ridiculous words in Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, about despite the fact he had all of that, this was his conclusion after he met God, after he met Jesus and encountered Jesus on this encounter on the road to Damascus. He says this, he says, Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Everything else is worthless when compared to. He didn't say it's completely worthless, but when compared to the infinite value of knowing God, of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He said, for his sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage 
so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. It's crazy to think that here it was Paul, he had everything, he'd found all the answers, he had everything he'd ever need, yet despite the fact that at one stage he had everything, he realised he had nothing. But then despite the fact that then he, when he had nothing, because he encountered Jesus, he had everything he could ever need through relationship with God. The truth is that you and I could have everything in the eyes of the world, but if we don't have a relationship with God, we've, we've got nothing. But the great thing is as well that you might not have much at the moment. <laughs> you might not have much going your way. Your Instagram profile might be quite mediocre. Um, <laughs> your bank account might be a bit empty. Maybe the number of friends on your Facebook might be a bit low. Maybe there's some stuff going on in your life. You, you might have next to nothing or nothing or something. But, but despite the fact that you might have nothing, if you know God, you have everything that you could ever need for a relationship with God. Jesus said this in Mark 8.36. He said, but, but what, do you, what if you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? What do you, what do you benefit? So what? You get all the stuff and you pile it up. and you're like, Look at my stuff. Whoa, how amazing is this? God, Jesus is like, so what? It's so offensive. He's like, but it's so much stuff all my hard work. And Jesus is like, well, I mean, that's good. It's, but who cares if you have all that stuff, but you don't have a relationship with me? Relationship with God is something that lasts for eternity. And it's the most valuable thing that we could ever have. And this is the heart of God. He's saying, rather than looking to all these other things and all these oh so, so-called wise people and the ads that come up on Facebook and on the TV and this is the way, this is the new thing, this is the answer you need, this is this, is this, this, this and being lured away like a moth to a bright light, um, God says, okay, some of those things are good, but I want the best. I want the best for you. He says, come to me. Come to me. Let me be your never-ending source. And I love what God says through the prophet Hosea. When God wants to speak through to the nation of Israel, they're running after all kinds of other idols, Idols made of stone and wood and clay. I mean, it seems ridiculous, but we're probably just as ridiculous putting our hope in movie stars. I don't know. Um, but the prophet of God spoke, of Hosea, he spoke to the nation of Israel. He made an appeal to the nation. And this is the words that God said. He says, Oh, Israel, this was his appeal. Maybe put your name in that inset. Oh, whatever your name is. Oh, Shaphan. Oh, whatever your name is. This is the appeal of God. Oh, Israel, stay away from idols. Just don't do it. Don't fall for the trick. I know they're nice and bright and shiny and gold and they've got little diamonds on them and whatever. It's so, it's so beautiful. He says, stay away from idols because he says, I'm the one who answers your prayers and care for you, cares for you. I care for you. You know the big and the small things in your life and do you know what? I've got the power to help you with what you're going through. He says, I'm the one who cares for you. I'm like a tree that's always green and all of your fruit comes from me i've got never-ending fruit i'm never going to go dry there's not the next best thing it's always but god says come to me i want to be your never-ending source when you know god we can face even the unknown and so what i want to do is just give us five quick tips on how we can know god as a church five quick tips and and these things aren't, aren't new ideas. In fact, they're probably slightly boring ideas if you're looking for like something amazing and new and fresh.
But these are the five solid keys that if you implement in your life, you are going to grow spiritually strong. You're going to grow spiritually mature. You're going to grow in your intimacy with God. And let me tell you, spiritual growth never happens by accident. Have you ever seen someone on a, on, on a couch just sitting there? You're like, what are you doing? I'm just working my biceps. <laughs> I mean, apart from those jiggling machines, our kids love them. <laughs> um, I don't know, do they do anything? I don't know, maybe you've got a jiggle machine. Let me know afterwards. Um, but but you know what? Health takes intentionality. It doesn't happen by accident. And, and the same goes for your spiritual growth in mind. It won't happen unless we're intentional and we invest in these areas of our life. And so five keys to knowing God. Are you ready to hear it? Come on. Are you ready to hear it? I know you are. Awesome. Are you ready? Drum roll. First one is really original. It's study the Bible. And there's a big round of applause. Study the Bible. It's like, oh, man. (laughs) I thought it would be like a more sexy kind of appeal. Sex appeal one. Like one that's easier maybe. Or at least sometimes a little less bland. I don't know. But the truth is that the most transformative thing you can do in your life is to get the Bible in you. To get it in you. You know, Romans chapter 12 verse 1, it says, Don't conform, but be transformed. It says, Don't conform. Don't be like sheep led to the slaughter. (laughs) What are we doing? What's popular now? What's the media saying? What are other people saying? What's right or wrong according to the project? On TV, I don't know. Let's just follow. Let's just follow what everyone else is saying, and be sheep. But God says, "Don't be conformed. Don't conform, but be transformed into a new person. Be transformed into a brand new person. How? What's the key? By changing the way you think, by transforming your mind, by renewing your mind according to not what other people say was popular, but according to the Word of God, according to truth." God invites us to study the Bible, to, to replace the, the lies that have somehow made their way into our truth box. Ah, how did that get in there? I need to replace it with truth. As we align our mind with truth, guess what? Our emotions begin to get regulated. Because all of a sudden we're not just following the, whoa, this new thing and that thought. And, and we're not being pulled from pillar to post by new ideas. And this person said that and the TV told me. Or the person on Facebook. But you know what? God wants us to be regulated by truth, our emotions, to to be centered because we focus on truth. Not lies about who God is, not lies about who you are, not lies about the world or the devil or anything, but truth. Be don't be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, for some of you, you can just download something called um what's the app called? U version. You version. There's billions of Bible reading plans. Get intentional about it. If you want to eat healthy, you go to the shops and you plan and you got to get the food. If you want to live unhealthy, don't go shopping like Jess and I haven't done lately. And what do you do? You live on fast food and you get unhealthy. Little tip there. If you want to eat healthy, you need to do a bit of planning. So plan. Get a bit of a Bible reading plan maybe. Download one. There's billions to choose from on version or something. One that works for you. You know what? Reading one verse a day is better than reading 20 chapters a day if you're actually going to uh, make the most of it and do it regularly. And so quick, two quick tips for studying the Bible. I did have some slides, but they mustn't have made their way through. Um, two quick tips for studying the Bible. Really, really simple. Everyone say, listen and obey. Everyone say, listen and obey. When it comes to read the Bible, you're not looking for information. We're coming to listen to God. God, what are you saying to me? 
What are you saying to me? The Holy Spirit can, can take what sometimes is bland, to be really honest. I mean, it's not. The Bible is rich and it's beautiful and it's deep. But sometimes, you know what? The Holy Spirit can take those words and make them applicable to your life. The primary way that the Holy Spirit will speak to us is through the Word of God. If you want to hear God's voice, get into the Word. It's not out there, you know, flying around somewhere like you've got to catch it like a butterfly. Actually, if you want to hear the voice of God, get into the Word. Position yourself, humble, hungry. What are you speaking to me through this one verse or this chapter or whatever? What are you saying to me? Listen. But then not only that, because if you only listen, you, you, you may as well have not studied at all. Actually, listen, the blessing comes in the obedience, in the application of what you hear. And when you begin to obey even one thing that God speaks to you in that day, you begin to see the power of God release, the blessing of God release. You begin to see the miracle of God unfold. As you take steps of obedience, you're going to grow deeper in your understanding of who God is. Number one, study the Bible. Number two is pray. Everyone say pray. 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 Oh, man. <laughs> pray, Raji. Um, pray. Talk to God. Spend time with God. If you want to build your relationship with your friend, with your partner, with that guy or that girl, I don't know. Do you know what? You need to kind of like talk to them. And spend some time with them and get to know them and share your heart with them, maybe. Maybe even listen to them. Whoa. But spend time praying, getting to know God. Again, it doesn't have to be huge and long and laborious. You know, for Jess and I, in our relationship, there's many different ways that we communicate. I mean, Jess and I in particular, we love long chats. We go for long walks. We go for long time sitting on the couch. We love the five-hour drive up from our end. We just get to talk. We like to talk. Long, long times of talking. But it's not the only way we communicate. If we were like running out the door, and we're like, I just need to say a few words, and we had to get down to the couch and talk for five hours, but like very impractical. Sometimes we're just like quick text, literal text or phone calls. Or, and it's no different to our relationship with God. Sometimes we just need to text God. We're like, hey, God, just walking to a meeting. Can you just give me some wisdom, please? Help. And the Holy Spirit, okay, just send a quick text to God. If you've got num- God's number, let me know, because I, I would like that. That would be awesome. Uh, just a quick text prayer to God, or a phone call, or get creative in your ways that you communicate God with God. There's no right or wrong way, but be creative about it. Have fun with it. Have fun with it. Have fun with the way that you pray and talk to God. It might be short, long. Sometimes your, your physical posture might change. You might get on your knees sometimes, and you're like, God, I humble myself before you. Other times you're standing in like victory, and you're walking, and... You get the picture. Pray. Study the Bible. Pray. The next one is to worship and praise. Worship and praise. Everyone say, worship and praise. Worship and praise. You know what the Father is looking for? The Bible says, Jesus said, the Father is looking for those who worship God in spirit and in truth. He's looking for worshipers. He's saying, God, God doesn't want just robots you know, what fun is a relationship where there's not a two-way sort of thing, a heartfelt thing? If it's all mechanical and clinical, it's like, oh, man. But we've been created for a relationship with God. God seeks those who will worship Him, who will run after Him, who will delight in Him, who will worship Him and lift His name up. And, and you know, we're, we're, <clears throat> when I talk about worship, obviously there's so many different ways we can worship God, but, but worship actually gives us access to the presence of God. In Psalms, it says we enter into his courts with praise. The key to the presence and the power of God is often praise. Sometimes you don't feel like praying. 
Sometimes you don't know what to pray. Sometimes you're like, you go to the Bible. But when, you know what? When you begin to praise God and lift up the name of Jesus, the power and the presence of God can break through into your situation. It can change the whole atmosphere. It can build up faith in your life. It's like Paul and Silas in Acts. They were in chains. They were in prison. They'd been beaten up. They'd been put into prison, into a dungeon. And their, their ankles were in chains. There's no way out. What are they going to do? Well, they're probably justified to complain and whinge and just get into a big heap of victim status. But instead, they chose to walk in victory. They didn't let their victory be defined by what's happening out there, but what's happening in here. And they began to praise. They began to worship God in prison. Yeah, the prisoners are like, shut up. But they're like, no, we're going to continue to praise and lift up the name of Jesus. And as they did... As they began to lift up the name of Jesus, the power of God was released and the chains around their ankles were completely set free. In fact, the other prisoners' chains, um, and prisoners' chains and shackles also came off. Their praise let other people free as well. There you go. Just getting a little bit excited, that's all. Just because I know it works. It's worked in... in uh, I could tell stories, but it, for Jess and I, let me tell you, is such a key for victory so many times. And what we would love to see this church is people that passionately praise and worship God. You know, at the footy the other night, I was watching footy, the Eagles. Who's an Eagles fan? Put your hands up. Come on. Yes, thank you. You can be my friend. <clears throat> and everyone else as well. Um, you know, on Friday night, Oscar Allen scored that goal. Come on! Off the couch. And I'm like, come on. And I'm thinking, boy, if I can get vocal and excited about a bit of pig skin being kicked through two sticks, surely I can get excited about my Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, who gave his life for me on the cross, who sits on the throne right now, who has all the power and the glory and the honour, and and he is worthy of our praise all the time. Like Jaden said, no matter what we're feeling, God is always worthy of of our praise, again, it's just ridiculous, isn't it, how much praise we give to these guys. Maybe it's their muscles, but, um, but they're just kicking this big skin through some sticks. It's like, wow, how amazing are you? And they are amazing. <clears throat> but I love us to, to be a church from the back row to the front row. Every Sunday, we're not waiting, but, man, we're just entering in straight away. I would love us to be vocal, regardless of how you feel. But I'm just a quiet person. Well, that might be true. But do you ever get excited? Well, maybe do it. Well, just, get, just go to the threshold of your excitement. Allow yourself. Maybe you want to lift your hands and get vocal. And, and maybe even right now, as, as I'm preaching and, and things, we, we want, if we're going to get excited about anything, we need to get excited about our resurrected Savior. He's coming back one day. We're going to see him. We're going to be in heaven forever together. Come on. There's no greater adventure. We're going to see praise. Gee, I'll rush through these other ones. Number four is to gather with people at church. To gather together at church. It's the old school things. If you want to grow in your faith intentionally, don't neglect the gathering together as some are in the habit of doing, which is what Hebrew says. But encourage one another all the more as the day approaches. When you come here, you encourage the person next to you. Don't just make it about you. You know, if you think about a smogger's board, right? Your little contribution to the smogger's board on the table you might have one ingredient or one meal, but it contributes to a whole picture. You know, when you bring your gift into church or who you are into church, 
You might just think, oh, it's just me, but you actually help to bring a more fuller expression of the beauty and the majesty of who God is. You know, God isn't one-dimensional, but he needs you here. You know, don't rob other people from who God has made you to be. Actually, God wants to position you here to actually receive, but also to give, which leads me to my fifth point, which is this, to use your gifts. To use your gifts. All of us have been gifted by God, and God invites us to both to do two things, to use our gifts in the church and use our gifts as the church. He wants us to bring our gifts in the church. From kids ministry to the worship team to hosting hospitality to worship to, to welcoming people at the door. Now let me tell you, God has given you a gift. Don't just let it be hidden, but use your gifts because it will encourage the next person. In the same way that your praise can help someone else to get free, your gift can actually be a blessing and encouragement to someone else as well. And we want to use our gifts as the church in our world, wherever we go, in our workplaces, back at home with our families. Maybe you're someone that's in need right now. You can cook a meal or put their furniture on the back of your ute or something, help them move. Let's use our gifts to actually reach the world with God's love. Because guess what? Jesus said, the greatest among you will be the servant of all. And, you know, we want to be a great church. And therefore, we want our spirit as a church to be to serve. And I just love the fact that the culture of this church right now is so many people on team here. So many people every single Sunday. Oh, my goodness. It, almost to the extent of us feeling guilty for how much they do. But do you know what? They do it with a smile. They do it with all their heart because they know that greatness isn't found in being served, but being like Jesus who gave his life up he came down to the lowest position and gave his life as a ransom for many. He gave everything for you and I. And God invites us to give our lives as a worshipful response back to what he's done. And so this is why every single Sunday, we just want to give people the opportunity to know God every single week. Regardless of whether anyone responds to the invitation to put their trust in Jesus or not, this is our vision. The first part of our vision is to know God, for us to know him. And we just want to, we want to always give people the opportunity to come. Would you, would you come or would you know God? There's some people in this church, many people, that have given their lives to Jesus. And at the end of every service, we ask people to put, put up their hand as an outward sign of their surrender to God. And, and to those that would just say, yes, yes, I want to put my hand up to say, yes, I'll give my life to God. And, and I remember talking to one guy in particular who goes to this church right now. I won't embarrass him, but he's here in this room. And he watched us online for a few weeks. And then one Sunday, him, like many others in this church, one, one Sunday he came. And at the end of this prayer, at the end of the prayer saying, yes, God, I'll give you my life, he put up his hand. And he said the instant that he put up his hand, he, I caught up with him later on during the week. He said, from that moment, I felt the power and the presence of God come upon me. God done something in my life. And he's never been the same since that moment that he said yes to God. And this is why we exist. That here on Sundays, as you go out into your world, that we could be the church, we could be Jesus' body in the earth saying, come, come to Jesus, come to God. He's the one. He's the source. He's, he's the answer. He's the one we all, he's the one that, that we want and wants good things for us. And so what I'd love us just to do is just to re-engage our hearts. You know, this is the vision for the church, but let it be your vision as well. For as long as you're a part of this ecclesia, this gathered together for purpose, let this be your personal vision. God, I want to exist for people to know God. I want to know you, God. Lord, I want to hit the reset button of my, <clears throat> button of my life 
and say, God, would you use me? I'm positioning myself to be available for you to use me. Why don't we just all stand up together in this moment? If you like, you can just close your eyes. Why don't you just consider? Why don't we consider Jesus? Why don't we focus on Him? Why don't we focus on Jesus on the cross? Jesus who gave His life. Jesus who held nothing back for you because of His great love for you. Jesus gave everything for you and I that we would know the Father, that we would know God. We'd have a place to belong. We'd have forgiveness. Jesus gave his life for us. And now, after his death on that cross, he died and then rose from the dead. He was resurrected to new life. And he met with the disciples. He gathered with the disciples and he said to them, go into all the world, making disciples of all the nations. Go into the world and let people know about me. Let people know God. And so what I'd love to do is let this be that moment for you again. Let this moment be a moment that helps to re-envision your life. Maybe even the Holy Spirit right now is highlighting things in your life that have been good, but that have distracted you from the great. Maybe even distracted you from the great commission. Holy Spirit, Lord, Lord, we come to you, God, and we ask your forgiveness for the times that we've prioritized other things, finding answers into everything else but you, God. And tonight, Lord God, we realign our hearts. We say you are our source. You are our comfort, Lord. You're our Father, God. We want to know you, Lord. Would you give us grace and strength, Lord God, in our life to even cut away the good things in our life, God, that we would know you. Give us the grace and the strength we need to prioritize doing the old school, the old school things. They're still the same, Lord. Spending time in your word, in prayer, in worshipping, in gathering together, Lord, and using our gifts, Lord. And once again as well, Lord God, what we want to do is as we hear your call, Lord, we want to say yes, God, again. Why don't you just lift your hands to God right now as an outward sign to say yes, God. I just say yes to you again, Lord God. Would you show us, Holy Spirit, even the good things in our life, God, that we would need to cut away. That you want to cut away for greater fruitfulness, Lord. For more people to come to know you, God. We say yes. And Lord, as we say yes to you, I pray for an outpouring of your Holy Spirit, God. That you give us power, Lord, to be your witnesses, Lord God. In Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, God. All for your glory, Lord Jesus. I thank you for miraculous encounters. A release of your supernatural grace over every single person here, God. That we will see many. Many come to know God over the coming weeks, over the coming months, over the coming years, God. We pray, Holy Spirit, would you be poured out afresh on our lives in this point, Lord.